Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day of salvation. This is the day that you have made. We choose to rejoice and be glad in it. So God, I pray that our eyes will be open. The eyes of our hearts will be open. Transform us. Use us. Change us to be vessels for your honor and glory. We'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Everyone said, who that? I'm not a Saints fan, so I just like to say it, all right? Thank you, Malcolm. Appreciate you, brother. You know, I love how, um, you know, Pastor Christian, uh, we, we spoke, uh, we spoke, actually connect almost every other day through a group text. But we talked about this series that you guys are in right now. The battle belongs to the Lord. We talked about it weeks and weeks ago whenever I knew that, that God was going to allow me to come and proclaim his word to you. And, and, you know, I began to pray, but I also began to listen to how Pastor Christian set the tone for this series. Because to be quite honest with you, it was a struggle. It was a struggle of a message to even grapple with in my own life. Because here's the reality. Pastor Christian helped us to understand week one. He established three bedrock understandings in Christianity. And I want you to know this. Listen, whether you've been walking with Christ for a day, whether you begin a relationship with Jesus and receive his salvation for the first time today, or you've been walking with Christ for 20 plus years, no matter where you find yourself This is the affirmation and the establishment of Christianity and the bedrock understandings of what we believe. And here we go. It's number one, we have battles. Even as Christians, we have battles. Those battles belong to the Lord. And this is good news. Let me say that again. And I'm not crazy in saying it, all right? You're like, should you have said bad news, Pastor Blake? No. We have battles. Those battles belong to the Lord. This is good news. And what I want to help you with today, Pastor Christian did a phenomenal job giving us the 30,000 foot view of what this all means and how we can put our faith, our trust, our whole beings and understanding that the battles that we face, whether they are self-induced or they're battles that come against us from the enemy's schemes that the Bible is very clear on that he does, no matter what, what we believe is we believe that God works all things together for our good. That's why in Romans chapter 8, and I want to start off with that verse Starting at verse 18, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was not just writing to a group then. He's speaking to us now actively in this moment. It says this in Romans 8, verse, starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It goes on to tell us in, in verse 28 of that same passage. And we know that for those who love God, all things, talking about the suffering, talking about the mountaintops and the valleys of life, all things. Listen, I looked up in the Greek what all things says and means in the Greek. You know what it means? All things. I mean, literally all. Like, And here's the good news. It means all things. Your shortcomings, your failures, your success, your failures, those around you. What is beautiful about our God is not just that he could defeat our enemies. It's that he transforms someone that oftentimes self-imposes the trials and the tri- tribulations that we all go through. What's amazing is God uses what we go through to transform us into who he's created us to be in Christ Jesus. 
It goes on to say that not only did he uh, not only did he call us and does he work together all things according to his purpose, but it goes on to say for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Come on, that's, that's enduring to us. This passage is enduring to us that before the foundations of the earth, before we even chose to follow Christ, God is already choosing us. And of course, we, we believe that we've all been given free will to respond to that choice that God first proposes to with us. We believe that we all have a choice, but it's so comforting to know the Bible's clear that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you need to understand that this isn't, this isn't some God picks and chooses who, no, no, no. This is before the foundations of the earth. He predestined all people from human race. He chose all people to ultimately, hopefully choose him. Does that make sense, everybody? I want to be clear with that. And the full of what he's done for us, he also called us into those to whom he called. He also justified into whom he justifies. He also glorified what this is kind of backing up is it's a 30,000 foot view of our lives understanding that no matter what we go through our present sufferings our present sufferings have a purpose our present sufferings the battles the trials the tribulations you know I grew up Southern Baptist anybody Southern Baptist up in here come on good not just Baptist Southern Baptist there's a big difference you know what I'm talking about King James don't dance you know we can't dance in church uh, grape juice you know I won't go there but because <laughs> my dad may be watching he's a Southern Baptist pastor I don't want to get uh, corrected after this but but you know growing up Southern Baptist I, and, and, and while I'm grateful for my heritage this was so key because understanding, I used to hear my dad say, I used to hear these pastors say, listen, you're either in the middle of a battle, coming out of a battle, or either getting ready to go back into what? Another battle. What we understand as Christians and what really exposes the false doctrine of American gospel, which is no gospel at all, but what exposes the false doctrine of the American gospel that says, oh, once you become a Christian, everything's going to be great. You're going to be just, oh man, laid back. No, no, no. What the truth gospel says is that God uses our battles to transform us into his image. In fact, if the world couldn't get along with the most perfect man to ever walk the face of the earth, talking about Jesus, what makes us think that the world's going to get along with us? Therefore, how does God use it? That's why I love the, the, the way Pastor Christian and Alex are leading this church. Of course, Pastor Jacob's doing the same thing at Our Savior's Church. He started off the year saying, if this, if this is your best, uh, let, me get, let me look back at my notes. This will be the best year of your life when it's what? The best year of your life. Let's try that again. This will be the best year of your life when it's the best year of your life. What? Spiritually. And I love that reminder because it reminds us of what the gospel teaches and preaches and is grace filled on that God is not calling us to live a spiritual life of perfection, but he's calling us to live a spiritual life of repentance. I know growing up, I, I fell victim to, uh, you know, I, I received Christ as my Lord at, at the age of eight. And, you know, I, I say that I received him as my Lord, but I really didn't know him as my savior until later on in life. I, I can't explain how salvation works. I know that we're saved by grace uh, through faith, not by works. I know when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, he saves us. But I'm convinced salvation is more of a starting point than it is a finish line. I wish I could tell you at the age of eight, I was like, 
the new creation in Christ Jesus, which I believe we are, but I wish I could tell you that it was already there. But the Bible's clear that that's not the case. The Bible's clear that it's through trials, it's through suffering, it's through not only those trials and suffering and sufferings and battles that God gets our attention, but it's through those battles that we begin to learn and experience who God is. What better way than to go through a battle and understand who Christ Jesus is? We get to know and grow in who our creator is, who our God is, understanding his amazing power, his amazing grace, his good relational shepherding, fathering qualities. What better way to know the surpassing goodness and greatness of who our God is, but to experience these battles, these troubles and these tribulations and to have him rescue us every single time. You tell me a moment in your life you've been following Christ and you've been faced with a difficulty. I don't care how big or small it is. You look back on now and you realize, man, I didn't realize it then, but God saved me from a lot of trouble. Of course, you went through trouble, but it was God using those troubles to transform you into who he's called you to be. It's all throughout the Bible from cover to cover. God never is in waste and he's never wasting a good battle to transform us into the new creation he's called us to be. Every time. And what blows me away is not that God can defeat our enemies and solve our problems. He's the creator. Of course he can. But what amazes me is that a loving, gracious, powerful, all-knowing God can use those moments, sometimes even self-imposed moments, to transform us into who he's called us to be. Better pe- not just better people, but more in the image of his son, Christ Jesus. It's a guarantee in life as followers of Christ. Jesus even said, I've said these things to you. And and, and let me back up. Jesus was saying, I've said these things to you. He was talking about a lot of things like, man, I'm about to go to the cross. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. You're going to suffer for my namesake. He even said, listen, the world's going to hate you, but don't worry. They're not going to hate you. They're going to hate me. That's in you. Listen, that's a humbling moment, right? You mean they don't hate me? Like, you know, it's kind of like, what, wait, what? Do you want them to hate you? No, what they hate is they hate Christ in you. They hate the amazing grace that God could take a sinner like me and you and save us, redeem us, fulfill us, and then use us for his purpose and his calling. Amen. Hey, if you want to clap, we're all going to clap and believe in the goodness and grace of our powerful God. But what's amazing is that in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And a great example of that is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You guys know this. Pastor Christian set it up. King Jehoshaphat. What a phenomenal name. Savannah, if you're watching right now, what do you think? Should we name our fourth child Jehoshaphat? Just think about it. You don't have to answer now. How many husbands use that line? Hey, you don't have to answer now. If I can go out with the boys and hit some golf balls, just let me know. All right? Me? Am I the only one? Okay. Uh, But King Jehoshaphat found himself in a moment. Where the Bible says that he was afraid. I can relate to that. How many of you are here right now and you can find yourself in a moment, whether you're in it now or look back in the trials and tribulations that come your way and you can remember the fear that gripped you, the worry, the doubt. I mean, doubt is one of my biggest, uh, is is one of my biggest, I guess, kryptonites if we want to go Marvel here. It's one of my biggest just Achilles heel that I have to get over and remember that it's not based off my ability, but it's actually like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, that I boast in my weakness. When I'm weak, I'm strong because Christ works best in my weakness. But it's when I get doubtful, scared, and afraid. 
that oftentimes I allow those emotions to lead the way. And let me tell you something here at Valley Rise. We believe choices lead, feelings follow. Look, if we, if we allowed our, our, our feelings to lead us and, and, and be the determining factor in every decision, how many of you would be in jail? <laughs> how many of you would be broke? You know, I want to buy everything I see, but then I look at the sobering reality of my bank account. I'm like, okay, that ain't happening. And how much diapers cost? (laughs) But what I believe is that in those moments, just like King Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat was faced with being afraid, but yet he made a critical, righteous, good decision that changed the game, not just for him, but for an entire nation. How did he do that? Don't forget that it was right here in 2 Chronicles 20, That after, this is after Jehoshaphat is faced with the reality, the sobering news that there's some big old boys coming against him. He's probably not going to win. But yet he calls the nation to a fast. You guys remember. And not only does he call the nation to a fast, he steps up in the face of fear and begins to proclaim who God is, what he has done, what he's going to do now, and how his faithfulness continues forever. And it was after that moment we see the word of the Lord in 2 Chronicles 20.15 take place. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I'm convinced that what if, what if King Jehoshaphat would have allowed the fear and the emotion of doubt and worry to overcome him? We may not have gotten the word from the Lord in that way. Listen, King Jehoshaphat may not have known what to do with the army that was coming against him, but he knew who to turn to whenever troubles and trials and battles were coming his way. And that's my point. Battles are inevitable, but what, how we prepared is, how we prepare is who we turn to. How we prepare is we build our lives upon not just what to do, but who we turn to in the face of all fear. All battles, all trials, all tribulations. That's why prayer to a God who loves us and is all-powerful is not our last resort, but it's actually our first response. I wish I could tell you whenever Pastor Christian told me the topic and, and said, hey, just pray, spend some time with the Lord. I wish I could tell you that it was, you know, just I set my candles up and I got my prayer closet and just spent hours upon the Lord speaking of King James and anointing oil and just the word hit me. Now, you know what my holy, righteous prayer was to receive this word? God, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> Lord, I, Lord, I don't know what to say. God, these are your people. God, I'm scared. I, I, I'm, 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 go, I'm scared not, not to speak and not to do this. I'm scared because I go through battles, God. And that was whenever the realization of knowing it's not about my battles. It's about how God uses my battles to transform me into who he's called me to be, into how he's created me to be, into what he's called me to do. Amen, everybody? Every single battle Every single point. The question is, when we face these difficult situations, do you tend to battle anxiety and worry? We all do. The moment I became a daddy, the moment I found out Savannah was pregnant with Paisley, I was fired up. I was like, heck yeah, man, this is awesome. But hey, that lasted about, what, five seconds? Because then I started thinking about, uh uh-oh, what what do you do? How do you keep keep a child alive? (laughs) What do they eat? What about the diapers? I don't know how to change a diaper. Uh Uh-oh, what about boys? 
Don't get me started on that. You know, what, 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 what do I do here? What, and all of a sudden, anxiety and fear and worry. But it was in that moment that what was exposed was not my emotions. What was exposed was a, was a foundation of saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I know you do. God, I appreciate the wisdom of this world. But God, I'm leaning upon you who created Paisley, who created me and has called us according to his purpose and your purpose. I'm depending on you to lead me and guide me and create in me a pure heart and knowing where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do, and how I'm supposed to lead my daughter. The question is, how do you respond in these moments? It's true that when, we face, when we're faced with battles in the middle of one, or maybe you're getting ready to go back into one, great news, glad you came to church, right everybody? But seriously, I want to prepare you, no matter where you find yourselves, we oftentimes, as born-again children of God, we're not struggling with believing that the battle belongs to the Lord, We're not struggling to believe that God's in control. And we're not struggling to believe God is good. We're struggling with whenever we read that he works all things together for good. We struggle with, well, God, how are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Why are you doing it this way? But I want to commend you, brother and sister in Christ. You can never fail in the faithfulness that you show a God who loves you and is called to serve. And is called, we are called to serve him and glorify him. You can never lose hope in knowing that God's going to fight your battles, but also transform you in the middle of those battles. He is faithful to where every battle you go through, every trial is not wasted, but it's transforming into who he's called you to be. Where does this come from? You look at Jehoshaphat. If we just focused on chapter 20, we would think, man, like, that's awesome. But thank God the Bible gives us previous months and years of Jehoshaphat's reign. And what you begin to see is a rhythm of a, of a, of a, of a conditioned heart that, is dependent, dependence, that has a dependency upon God. What's amazing is no matter what Jehoshaphat faced, no matter how long he was in service as the king of Judah, what's amazing is no matter what he faced, he always responded by turning to a familiar face. He didn't know what to do oftentimes, but he knew who to turn to. My hope today is that we leave here maybe not knowing what to do in times of trials and tribulations, but knowing who we are to turn to. Knowing, God, that you are with us and that you are for us. And what's amazing is when Jehoshaphat was faced with an opportunity, when opportunity presented presented itself to him, he was prepared. And if we're honest, when oftentimes in our walk with the Lord, when, when opportunities present itself of battles and trials and tribulations, we're not prepared. I want us to be prepared today. Look back over Jehoshaphat's life. I'm going to fly through these, but... In 2 Chronicles 17, way before this battle, this amazing moment that we used to study, right before this, this moment happened in 2 Chronicles 17, he just stepped into leading as the king of Judah. His dad had passed away. His dad wasn't the most righteous man of the world. But God used his dad to be an example to, to King Jehoshaphat to know not what to do and what to do. That's why the Bible says in Second Chronicles 17, verse 6, his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. You know how you become, you, you know how you allow the Lord to create in you a courageous heart in his ways? That's why it's so important to spend time in God's word every single day. That's why it's important to, you know what, God, I'm gonna, that's why what Pastor Christian said, I'm going to study the ways of the Lord. 
I'm going to see that no matter how bad we are and unfaithful we are, his faithfulness always clears the spot. His faithfulness always fills the gap. It's his faithfulness that stands in the gap for us and we can depend on him and trust in his ways. Second Chronicles 18, I'll show you another one. The Bible says, and Jehoshaphat, and let me back up. In this moment, Jehoshaphat finds himself in a very similar situation like in chapter 20. So in other words, what happened in chapter 20 wasn't his first rodeo, as my dad would say it. He's been through this before. It says that in 2 Chronicles 18, he found himself in a very similar situation. But the Bible says Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him. God drew Jehoshaphat away and kept the enemies away from him. I want you to know here today that the big takeaway, the big prayer, the big moment that we're all going to receive here today is this truth of knowing that, God, when something is happening to me, you want to do something in me. I'm not going to focus on what's happening around me. I'm going to focus on the fact and the truth that I am I'm in the palm of your hands and no weapon formed against me will prosper. But God, there's something you want to create in me. There's a create in me a pure heart, oh God, prayer that I want to depend on. And that's what Jehoshaphat teaches us in his story. The Bible goes on to tell us that the Lord is not just doing something in King Jehoshaphat's life. He was doing something through his life. When something is happening to me, God wants to do something in me. And he always wants to do something in me that's going to benefit the people around me. God wants to continue to take us from glory to glory. He wants, to he wants us to continue in faith to be crucified with Christ so that we no longer live. But it's Christ that liveth within me and through me. And what I love about God's word, what I love about this gospel message, what I love about the relationship we get to have with our heavenly father through his son, Jesus Christ, his perfection, his righteousness is this. Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if, if anyone, come on, anyone, that's me, you, that's all of us included. For anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I know who I used to be. Thank God I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not yet who God's created me to be. I'm still in process. We're still in process. And what we do as Christians, we embrace the transforming power of God's grace, his truth through the battles we face every single day. The more we grow in this truth spiritually, the more we see its fruits in our lives. How many, how many of you have met that, that believer in Christ, that, that older uh, general in Christ Jesus, that older faithful person who's been walking with Christ through many, many battles? And as much as you want to even say, oh, this must be hard, they have a peace about them. Philippians 4 calls that peace a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's actually that peace that we witness. And like my Aunt Gladys, who lived to be 103 years old, one of the most God-fearing women I ever knew, I, I know in my life. But it was that peace that kept her from becoming negative. But it was that peace that transformed her through every battle she faced, through the great depression she went through, through the trials and tribulations of never having a husband and kids. It was those battles that created in her a woman, a woman of God, who on her deathbed, I looked at her and I said, Aunt Gladys, what is the secret? And she said, just be sweet. <laughs> just be sweet and allow the transforming power of God to change who he has created you to be. So how do we do this? As I close today, I want you to understand that our battles belong to the Lord and he uses battles to sanctify his saints. God never wastes a good battle. 
He's never going to waste a good tribulation. He's never going to waste. Listen, it was the, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Thank God the Lord didn't waste the battle of the cross through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are beneficiaries of what Jesus did on the cross. But he does this. He allows these battles to come our way, not just so that he can solve our battles, but that he can use our battles to sanctify who we are into who we're called to be. You know, it's, it's really the bedrock reason to why we do small groups here at Valley Rise. We do small groups here at Valley Rise to understand that it's through each other that the God we serve uses us to sanctify each other through the Word of God. Let me show you in Scripture. James chapter 5. The Bible says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Look and see how God in his gracious power and faithfulness uses each other, a sinner like me, to glorify him and sanctify all of us to be the bride of Christ. He uses our battles. He uses our battles to sanctify us. He uses our battles to equip his saints, to equip us to make a difference for him and for each other. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, listen, whenever you became a Christian, you remember you were just, you were just looking for truth. You were just kind of like a babe in Christ and you were just hoping and praying that someone would disciple you. And thank God, listen, you're here today because someone did disciple you. Someone is discipling you. What are they discipling you in? In the middle of your battles. They're discipling you with the word of God, the transforming power of knowing that it's through that battle he's doing something in you and through you to equip you, to equip you to make a difference. And number three, why would he equip us? Why would he just use our battles to sanctify us? Why would he just use the battles to equip us? Well, he's using all of our battles, all of our trials, all of our sufferings, all of our situations to glorify his son. Come on, how many of you just received that? It's all to glorify Jesus. You know what that tells me? The pressure's off. The pressure's off me. <laughs> the pressure's off me to be perfect because guess what? If you're new to Christianity, let me, let me give you a heads up. You're never going to be perfect. The goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to depend on the one who is and who was and still is to come. The goal is to live a life of knowing God's going to transform me through every situation to make me the creation he's called me to be and to glorify him along the way. First Corinthians gives us really the, the thesis of Christianity, which is whatever you eat, 
whatever you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. I want you to receive here this morning that no matter what you walk through, no matter what you face, it's for the glory of God. Yeah, but Pastor Blake, I'm worried. I don't know what my daughter's going to do. Or I don't know what I don't know what my spouse is going through. I don't I don't know how the job's going to make it because this is the contract. I'm gonna, but but you're going to walk through this all for the glory of God. You're going to turn to Him for help, all for the glory of God. You're going to watch how He's going to. He's going to change your circumstances and change your your situation, not just for your glory so that you can live a fruitful, not not so that you can just live a a guilt-free life. No, he's going to change everything and change us in the middle of it so that we can know we are transformed to glorify him. It's not just amazing that God wins our battles. What's amazing is God uses those battles to transform us and to bless us as his children. We serve an amazing God. And the older I get, I mean, I know I'm only 35, but the older I get, listen, the more mistakes I make as a parent. I remember my life with my relationship, and and pardon me, people who don't have kids. uh, My life with the Lord went to a whole nother level of understanding grace and mercy whenever I had a child. Because guess what, everybody? There's absolutely nothing Paisley can ever do. You name it. Fill in the blank. That will make me stop loving her. That will make me stop going after her. That will make me stop helping her to ultimately transform her into who God's called her to be. And if I think that way, a wretched, broken, sinnered, saved by grace, being fulfilled by Him, being transformed into His image. If I can think that way, how much more does your Heavenly Father see that in you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray. I want to pray for all of us first, but then I want to pray for those of you that have yet to begin a relationship to receive the salvation God has for you. But first, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that all of us will receive the Spirit of the living God, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us in who we set our eyes to, no matter what we face. Now, whether we're in the middle of a battle, coming out of one, or getting ready to go back into one, God, you know that we are worried, we're struggling. I'm so grateful, Jesus, you said, come to me, all who are weary. You will give us rest. So right now, God, I pray that you will give us the rest that we need. And we promise to give you the glory that you deserve. We take, we take your yoke upon us, God, knowing that this life that you've called us to live is, is, is a get-to life. We get to live a life of repentance, not a life of perfection. We receive everything you're doing and everything you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' name. I want to pray every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for those who have yet to receive and accept and embrace the saving grace and power that comes from Jesus Christ. I'm not going to call you to the front. We're not going to embarrass you. This moment is between you and God. In fact, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now. The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into a place of repentance. So if that's you right now, I just want to pray for you. So if you're here and you'd say, Pastor Blake, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to receive the salvation that he has for me. You can slip your hand up and put it right back down. Awesome. Great job. I'm proud of you. Awesome. 
whether you've raised your hand or not. Maybe you're rededicating your life to him. You've been far away. Listen, you may have been unfaithful, but God's still faithful. If you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. I receive what your son Jesus did on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the price, Jesus, that I could not pay. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me and direct me. Transform me into who you've created me to be. I receive your grace. I walk in your truth. And I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those who made a decision here today? We're so proud of you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.